This episode of the Warriors Huddle is brought to you by the Athletic Club Oakland, a sports bar we just love. If you listen to this podcast, you enjoy watching sports, and you already know that watching games with other fans just makes the experience better. Look, obviously, watching a Warriors game on your own is fine. I've done it for years. But watching the game in a place that lets me scream and cheer and just generally lose my shit with other dub fans is so much more fun. COVID stole that opportunity for a while, but the ACO has given it back. The Athletic Club Oakland has shut down their entire side street, created an enormous outdoor space called the Town Gardens, and filled that space with tables, more than 15 huge TVs, and their full complement of great food and drinks. It's big, it's comfortable, it's a great spot to watch Steph continue to rain threes during this incredible Warrior season, the NFL playoffs, or any other sport with fans while still staying safe. I love this bar. I love their food, I love their space, I love their TVs. I even love that it's family friendly. I can go there with friends and get way too passionate, or I can go with just my wife and kid and enjoy brunch while catching a game. The Athletic Club is now my go-to spot to watch all sports, especially the Warriors, and I hope you'll join us there. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans can be sports fans again. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in the Warriors huddle with me, Bram. No Marcus today, but with me per usual, my master of all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? Maxine, we're on the other side of like three fucked up opens for me. I'm so excited from last night. Apparently, I'm not even ready to record. It's like bursting out of me, man. So maybe today you're going to have to be the professional. Hopefully you're ready. I mean, your shirt is looking really professional. I just noticed it as we got a little bit closer to the third take. This is a good look for you. I really appreciate that. I mean, I already told you I'm suffering from like weird drug problems with my uh, sleeping medication. So I don't need your judgment on my shirt. But what I do need is your opinion on one hell of a Warriors game. So normally, man, we would do the uh, glass half full here. Give us the things you like and you don't. But we actually got a question in the golden questions that triggers that. So I'm going to cheat a little bit and put us right into the golden questions. And it starts with this. And you know it, but people listening may not. This is our mailbag. And somebody wrote in to ask, quote, the Suns were up 2-0 at the exact same time last year. Is this the same? So, Maxine, we kind of talked about this, man. Um, you know, that. Let's acknowledge the Warriors are on the back end of an unbelievable comeback. All of us are riding high as fuck. But also, there's this thing in the back of our mind that Dallas just had a very similar 0-2 hole against Phoenix. And that's what this question is asking, right? You rewind the clock about, I don't know, eight, nine days ago. The Suns were up 2-0. Everyone was throwing dirt on Dallas, saying the Suns were going to sweep. And, you know, then Dallas came back. So here we are. The Warriors are up 2-0. In your mind, is this the same or is there reason to be a little bit more confident now than Phoenix fans should have been 10 days ago? Yeah, I'll give you another stat. The Warriors have not lost a home game in this playoffs. That's more than one series of information that says that we're in a pretty good situation, too. So I know I'm feeling good and it's not just, you know, stat versus stat, right? I think we, obviously we have home court advantage. We have, um, you know, two more chances at home to actually try to, to pull it out and we need to win two more games. So there you have it. I do also, I think the way that we're winning these games um, 
is a, is a lot more sophisticated than what we saw in the Phoenix series. So I'm feeling a lot better about it. I think, you know, we had a blowout that was fantastic, but we also saw a really good Luka Doncic game where they game planned exactly the way we expected them to of kind of letting him eat and forcing everybody else to make shots. Um, and I think they had a fantastic opening half, right? Uh, last night that made you really see the best case scenario for Dallas. And we still pulled it out. So I think in every single way, there's reasons for optimism about this series. Do you remember that time when the Suns won their third championship? No, no, no. I don't remember that shit either. Do you remember when uh, Chris Paul got his second MVP? No, fuck, dude. Me neither. Is this the same as being up 2-0 against the Suns? Fuck no, it's not. Of course it's not. The only similarity is the number. You know, I get it. And, you know, let's hedge. The, it's it's a cliche. The series doesn't start until the road team wins a game. So all the Warriors did was hold serve. But is there reasons to be optimistic? Of course there are. Of course there are. Let's start with the mental gut punch that the Warriors delivered last night after being down basically 20 and then coming away, not only with a win, but a win that covered the spread. You know, every now and again, and Fitzgerald always calls this shit out. It always makes me crazy. But there'll be a play where, like, the Warriors get a steal. It's a breakaway. It's going to be a layup. They miss it, right? And then the other team gets it, and they hit a three. And it's a five-point swing. Instead of the Warriors scoring two, you've lost three. And this, it's this extra special gut punch. Last night was one of those for Dallas They had already counted in their mind, oh, like big comeback. We are doing this. We're going back one and one. Then they had to watch this gut punch of a loss. So, you know, are we going to sweep for sure? Is this over? Do we have to watch the remainder of the game? I mean, of course not. Of course, there's still a series here. But the suggestion that this is identical to the Suns being up 2-0 is quite simply fucking preposterous. And factor in that the Warriors are looking a lot like the Warriors that everyone was terrified of, a team led by defense that, you know, that, that then turns it around and uses the offense that the defense creates. I, I couldn't be happier about where uh, this podcast finds us. Man, I, I completely agree. I mean, not to just continue to wax poetic, but I'm, I'm too excited to help myself. Um, I, you know, I, I think you, you can look at, uh, at the way that the uh, Miami series played out with the Celtics over the first two games. Um, And you could see a situation where Dallas is looking at how Celtics might've felt going into the second half of their game and saying, Oh my gosh, this is already a blowout. We're just going to, going to continue to take the lead. And that's the championship medal of the Golden State Warriors. And that's, I mean, that's that's the consistency of the fourth quarter effort from Steph Curry. Steph had a great game throughout the entire thing, no doubt. But he continues to lead every player for fourth quarter points. And, and we saw it again last night. This team knows how to lock down and get it done. And I mean, it's super impressive to see Draymond foul out with a couple of minutes to go. That game was still winnable by Dallas at that point. Turns out we didn't need him because everybody else on the team is a squad. It's almost as if they heard all the criticisms, all the concerns of like, well, Dallas didn't hit any shots in that first game. You know, careful. All those guys are going to hit it. And it's like the words like, OK, let's let them let's in the first half. Let's let them hit every one of those shots and <laughs> we'll do rip their throat out. Maxime, I, look, there's a lot of ways we're going to explore this game. Um, and let me ask a question that will hopefully kind of uncork that. So here's our second one. This question comes from Knight, K-N-I-G-H-T from Louisiana. Gentlemen, what was good and bad 
about this last game. So really, man, first, the name Knight, I don't know if it's a nickname. Uh, I am like insanely interested in your life. I'd like you to call in. I want to hear more about what's going down. Also, if you know enough about this show to send us a question, what the fuck are you asking us for the glass half full for? This is a segment, man. That's the only reason I pulled this over, just so I could give you some crap. But Knight, <laughs> there were some things I liked and I didn't. I'll give you something I liked. I like Draymond three-pointers in the fourth quarter that basically closes the door. There's something that's so satisfying about watching that happen. I like Steph casually reminding the world who the fuck he is in the fourth quarter. Again, crazy satisfying, but here's something a little bit more uh, huddly, right? I liked how Jason's kid's face changed when he was watching the big board from the first half to the second half. You know, every now and again, we'd watch Jay Kid, and I've got nothing but love for Jay Kid. I watched him play in high school. I am a Cal fan. You know, I, I have, he's a Bay Area guy. I love Jay Kid. But, you know, during playoffs, man, you, you at least have some sports hate. And during that first half, when Dallas was just kicking our ass, every time they showed Jay Kidd looking at the big board and chase, he had the kind of calm, proud face that a father would have while watching his eight-year-old beat a bunch of 12-year-olds. You know, like, like, oh, like, I knew this was going to happen, but you guys didn't. And I don't even have to overreact. Of course, I'm super happy. And it drove me crazy, Maxime. But then the Warriors came back, dude. And then by the third, by the fourth quarter, when they were showing Jay Kidd looking up at that big board, it looked like he was watching a kidnappers video. It looked like he was watching the things that were most important to him be slowly taken away. And he knew or did not know what the hell to do about it. And I'll give you one last thing. I love Jordan Poole, but I'm not going to limit this. So what he did on the floor was unbelievable, you know, and, and we've given him a thousand platitudes. But for this, you know what I liked, Maxime? I liked him off the floor. Uh, Jordan Poole ended up being the guy on TNT afterwards. And he had a back and forth with everybody up there, including one with Chuck while Chuck was wearing a fucking Dallas jersey. Um, but the one that caught my eye was this back and forth with Shaquille O'Neal. Jordan, we know what you guys are trying to do. We know what Steph, Clay, and Draymond, they want to get back to the promised land. I've played on teams where we, we go up to and we say, you know what? We're going to Dallas to close it down. Are you guys trying to shut it down? Are you guys trying to win two games, or will you be satisfied with winning one? Uh, I think with our team, we do a really good job of staying where our feet are. Answer the question, Jordan. And staying Poole. in the present. So being able just to get the first one out of the way, um, just Raymond, try to steal one on the road. Raymond Ritter touched Try to steal one on the road. So here's what I love about that, man. Um, the, the Jordan Poole is not lacking for confidence. We see that all over the place. And the one time when you'd feel even more confident than you would while dominating on the floor during a playoff game is when they ask you to join the national media set to talk about your dominance, right? And that's when your confidence might get you in trouble. And Shaq gave him an opportunity to ask him, hey, are you guys going for both wins? You know, would you like to say in a fucking public setting, you're going to go back to Dallas and beat them both is a really dangerous move. And it's the kind of thing where you're really feeling yourself. You might not think about it and jump right into it and say, yeah, of course we are. Of course we are. Because Maxime, of course he is, dude, like that, that is their goal. But you can't say that. And for him to have kept his head to have answered the way that he did, to still to smile at Shaq and still keep Shaq happy was really impressive to me. And I'm not the only one who was impressed. Did you hear at the end of that, what Shaquille said was, Raymond Ritter has taught you well. And he's talking about the media director. You know, he's talking about that's the guy who runs all the media relations through Golden State. And he's absolutely right. So that's what I liked. I got at least one thing I don't, but uh, I've talked long enough, man. What do you got? 
Well, I'll expand upon the Jordan Poole thing. I mean, first of all, I just I love I love seeing Draymond after game one. I love that whole experience. I love the heel role that that um, Charles Barkley is playing. It's all really working for me. It's adding to this whole entertainment arm that I think the Warriors are doing better than anybody else. It's just fantastic. But Poole on the court felt really good to me, too. I think there were moments, especially in the first half, where you could see that they were almost, you know, one of their defensive schemes was done to kind of limit him getting to the basket because some of those fancy moves clearly gets the crowd riled up. And I thought Dallas did a fantastic job of keeping Chase Center out of the game through that first half. Um, So it was fun to see Jordan Poole in the second half figure it out anyways and do some amazing moves and said, yeah, I don't care what you throw at me. I'm better. Good offense beats good defense. And that just felt fantastic. Completely agree. Um, Here's something I don't. Damian Lee minutes. I'm done. I'm done, Maxine. I'm trying to be calm, dude. I'm trying to be okay. Look, I thought that like after we had the win, I thought that I would I'd wake up this morning and realize trusted vet. I get what, what Steve Kerr is doing. They came away with the victory. Maybe it was the right move, but I can tell you, having thought about it, it's not the right move. I don't need any more Damian Lee minutes in my life. I, I'm, that I'm sure he's a really nice guy. I'm sure his relationship with Steph is incredible. I'm sure he is giving it his all and he deserves every dollar he gets paid as a professional basketball player. But as someone who's rooting for this team with far too much emotion, I can't handle it anymore. I can't watch him out there. And I really hope that Steve Kerr agrees with me, especially after what we saw with uh, Moses Moody last night. You know, he was poised. He seemed absolutely ready. So if we want to get away from Kaminga, and I don't know if I agree with that, but if that's what's up, if they've decided that we can't trust Kaminga, well, what we learned is that the only other option is not Damian Lee. There are other people, and I think I'm out. So if there's anything I dislike about an unbelievable evening, you know, about a, a hell of a comeback, it's that I I, I think I'm, I'm disliking the Damian Lee playoff minutes. You know, I I, uh, I definitely trust your opinion and your read here, but um, I don't know, not as much as necessarily I trust Steve Kerr. And I just am remembering the way that our fan base discussed Kevon Looney a couple of years ago and the pushback that we got from Kerr that was saying, nope, I trust this guy. He's really solid, so on and so forth. And here we are a few years later, dude's putting up 21 and 12. So, I, you know. I mean, did you have to phrase it that way? Could you have just said, look, I trust trust Kerr? I don't know if you'd be like, look, Bram, I kind of trust you, but I trust Kerr more. Just by you saying I trust Kerr, Everyone would have understood where the hell you were coming from on that. That's like he spit on me for no reason. Just oh, throw that out. There. Pretty specific reason, you know. I was trying to spit on you. Okay, well that's totally unnecessary, and I dislike you exceptionally now, almost <laughs> as much as I dislike Damian Lee minutes. But <laughs> almost being the keyword there. I'll give you one other thing, and I mean I know it's really obvious, but I just kind of want to chat it out with you. It's those it's those turnovers, and I mean specifically Draymond's turnovers. There are just some boneheaded moves. Um, I know. Uh, you know, the part of the Draymond experience or rather the complete Draymond experience is necessary for Draymond to excel as a player on the court. You need that fire. You need that energy, that heart burns bright. Um, but I did think that some of the way that he continued to go at the refs at some of the other players was a real tightrope walk when he already had one technical. And then on top of it to kind of just throw off some real boneheaded passes um, it did not lead to me feeling really good about what was going on specifically in the first half. And I don't know, I don't know if you saw anything that makes that you can say to make me feel better. Or if me spitting on you has now uh, met that ship sale. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you want my opinion again? Why don't you just do this podcast with Steve Carter? I think <laughs> I'm completely out. No, let's see. Uh, did I have some Draymond frustration last night? Of course I did. Uh, the turnovers was what started my frustration, but I tell you the thing that boiled me over is that sixth foul. 
you know, that he did not need to go after that uh, steal in any way, no. especially when he knew how many fouls he had and um, who we need. I have, I, I guess I'm accepting this as the downside of some of his upside, you know, um, fire adds nothing, you know, you, you need fire to cook with, but it's downside is that if you touch it, it burns you. The emotion that Draymond brings to a game is exactly what drives this team, but it's downside is occasionally it burns us, man, you know? Um, and I don't know if, if I was a psychologist who had worked with Draymond and could tell you, yeah, he has the ability to separate his, his fire and his competitive edge from his ability to succeed. And so you should be frustrated when it boils over, then okay. You know, then, then I, I could throw some stones, but until someone tells me that until there is literally a way to separate these two, I'm okay. I'll accept the bad with the good because the good outweighs it. But what am I going to tell you, man? Did it frustrate me? Of course it frustrated me, which uh, is a good transition to this. This is going to be our last question, but I'm too excited for it in our judgment theater one. So this person asks, gentlemen, did you ever let go of the rope? I, being a giant Warriors fan, knew that they would come back the entire time, but thought about you gentlemen as it went along and used what I thought was your optimism as my own inspiration. So this person is asking us, you know, did we ever let go of the rope? So don't answer, man. Instead, Judgment Theater, I want you to guess. Why don't we start with me? I am the uh, the ultimate homer, both on this show and in real life. You know, I, I watched this game at the Athletic Club. I was with my wife. A friend of mine was there. A lot of people were around us. Very optimistic crowd. What do you think, man? Did I hold on to the rope and uh, slowly believe, or did I let go and give up on the Warriors? Man, you gave me a lot of good information there because I feel like just like Chase Center, you know, the ACO crowd turns up. And if they're feeling optimistic, that could really buoy you, even if you were going to drop the rope by yourself. But I'll tell you what, I think you're the type of person to hold on to the rope so hard that you're like losing skin on it. You know, like rope burns the whole thing because you just you believe that hard that this team is going to win. I mean, I think it's one of those things. There's a lot of context behind it. But, I, you know, I think that you might have blind optimism here. I gave up so many times, no. so many times that game put me through like the full fucking range of emotions, man, to the point where, and I'm not proud of this and, and don't tell anybody else. This is just going to be between you and I, but to the point, like towards the end of the second quarter, I start hissing to my wife because the athletic club is fairly close to Lake Merritt. I was like, maybe for the second half, we'll just watch the, or we'll just walk the lake because I can't watch this anymore. And then like my, my boy would turn around and try to make me optimistic. Like, well, why don't we wait for the third quarter? Let's see what happens. I go, no. You don't understand this team. There's two different teams and they've showed up and they don't want it tonight. And I'm just, I was so angry when the people in the tables next to us were starting to get happy. I was then hissing bad shit about them. I was like, they can't even realize that we're going to lose this game. And then <laughs> dude, when they come back and we're getting close and they're starting to come back as a third and fourth quarter, then I'm all the way at the other side. It was like schizophrenia. It's like a manic depressive. I'm like standing on the table, like, let's go. I told you guys like never let let go of the robe. So yes, man, I gave up a billion times and then jumped back in the boat like so much. So, you know, it's like the, uh, it's like being in a boat and it hits one wave and I jumped off like, Oh, it's going to sink. And then 10 minutes later, I jumped right back on soaking wet being like, this is the greatest boat anyone's ever seen. So <laughs> I'm not proud, Maxime. I don't know what to tell you. You know, it is what it is. I'm my emotional well-being is too wrapped up with this team. So I went like super defensive, you know, it's like, you're not hurting me again. Like I'm going to go walk around the fucking lake. So I 
I watched every minute and I think I'm honest in telling you there was no point where I was ever going to leave, you know, but if, if you had a transcript of what I was saying yesterday, you'd think I was a crazy man and there's no question that I let go of the rope. Um, for you, so I've, I've got a guess, you know, uh, my guess is internally you have already, you would have let go. But externally, you would never do what I would do. You'd never tell everybody to let go. You'd never like go way over the top. It wouldn't be like that. You know, like you would be thinking, all right, they're, they're not going to do this one and kind of let yourself off the hook. But I don't think you'd be the kind of drama queen I would be. I'm not sure you would ever throw it out into the universe. What went, what actually happened? Yeah, it's like looking through your hands, you know, like I can't entirely look away. I can't actually turn off the TV. And I mean, I, I learned my lesson because with Memphis, we had a blowout and I was still holding on hope until at least the middle of the third before I said, OK, this is this is completely out of control. Uh, there's a lot of narratives that would bolster my uh, decision to give up on the game early. You know, these blowouts that we're seeing. Uh, I mean, in our own series against Memphis, like I said, the Celtics heat series, um, you know, and there's also like, I hate to bring it up, but things like the, like, Oh, no team has ever blown a three, one lead. Right. Like there's there, <laughs> excuse me. There are narratives to say like, yep, this, this is going to happen. Right. The golden state warriors have not lost a home game this entire series um, or sorry, this entire playoffs. Uh, of course we're going to drop that because that's just the nature of this team. That's the nature of being a Bay area fan. Um, but with all of that said, no, I did at no point in time. And it's, it's because of what I was actually seeing on the court, despite everything that the score would tell you, Dallas was hitting every single one of their threes. I think they missed a sing, a single three point in that entire first half. I thought we were playing really good defense. I thought a lot of our shots weren't falling. It never really felt out of hand. I, the boneheaded turnovers aside, this team, which is, look, I, listen, they, they kept on saying it on the broadcast. We were second to last in turnovers in the regular season. This is a, our Achilles heel. They couldn't stop saying it. It was driving me nuts. And it's like, li listen, like that's a part of our game. That's the way it is. This team knows how to win despite the turnovers. So I think you can let that go. And then I continue to feel at least somewhat confident that we have the championship pedigree to pull this off. And I think we can continue to feel that confidence moving forward. Marcus you could not have joined at a better time. This is an incredible moment in huddle history as far as I'm concerned. So let me, let me bring you up to speed and it's going to require us shattering the, uh, the fourth wall here a little bit. But what we're talking about is that, that it's a golden question and they're asking us in a judgment theater like way, uh, did we ever let go of the rope last night? Did you know that at some point, did you just concede the Warriors are going to lose? And this is where I break the fourth wall a little bit. We talk about this shit, as you know, before we actually start. And so I gave Maxime this question and I learned before we started this that Maxime did not watch this fucking game live, that this he watched guy. it on tape delay because he was with because he was with a friend. And so I said, OK, you were still going to do it. I'm going to give you mine and then I will throw you this question and you tell me that and we'll talk about that. So MT. I told this fool, you guess on me. He said, I think you held on to it. I sold him, I don't know, dude, I like other rope. Then I told him, all right, I gave a guess, thinking he's going to tell me he didn't watch the game. This fool told me a story that he watched it live. And then he I didn't say it was live. It's like he said, at no point did we hear it was, it was late. And he made himself sound like he was the biggest Warrior fan of all time. So really <laughs> incredible scenario. I mean, the, the, the first time the audience has heard you think, but please weigh in, dude, because that was amazing. This feels like Maxine the Cheater is back. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah i think i'm at a good time um yeah i mean i feel like it's easier to 
to not let go of the rope if you know what the outcome is going to be. So (laughs) 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 I was, I definitely let go of it. Um, I was lucky enough uh, to have the tickets for our our season tickets um, for that game. So I got to go. Um, It was loud. It was impressive. I was, I was happy with the fan base. Uh, We showed up really late. Like I think the 6 PM start time is tricky for, our fan base for some reason, like there were a lot of empty seats. If the gold shirts weren't draped over it, you would have seen a ton of empty seats in there. I think it masked it a little bit. Let me give you some, some quick fire shots, right? So at what point in the game were all the seats filled? Well, hundred percent people asses in seats. I would say midway through the first quarter, maybe oh. towards the tail end. Uh, what when, percentage- when, the, when they first came out and like, introduced the Warriors, you know, and they take the floor to start warmups. It was probably 30% full, 40% uh, at most. What percentage had the shirt on? Uh, less than that. Um, wow. Guys were, were texting and joking like, oh, they have to do these like gift card giveaways. And they were literally like hounding us to scan the QR code and put on our shirt. And I was like, oh man. Well, and, and to give Maxime credit now that I've given him shit, it turns out that he was hundred percent right. So the last time we did this, uh, you know, the last time we recorded and we tried to come up with ways to get people to wear the shirt, Maxime kind of jokingly said, well, what if we pay people, you know, like the, if, why don't we make it like a lottery? If you have the shirt on, you're now involved in a lottery and we'll, we'll give you a $10,000 check if, if you get selected. Well, yesterday somebody tweeted at us and said exactly what Marcus is talking about, that they literally, if you did put on the shirt, Warriors personnel were walking around and giving out gift cards. So you were right, Maxine. They weren't the uh, they weren't the actual golf check, but they were in fact giving out gift cards. So good for you, man. Um, did anybody leave MT? I can't imagine they did because the comeback started at, at the half. But but anybody let go of the rope there? No, it was a good crowd. I was um, pleasantly uh, surprised that we were into it. I mean, being down, I let go of the rope because. Uh, they were shooting just at a blistering pace. And the, from my opinion, the refs were all over the place again. I don't know what it looked like on TV, but um, it was at the point where Laco was talking to Kane Fitzgerald at halftime. Um, and I was, I had never seen an owner. I'm sure it happens all the time. And it was just the first time I noticed it, but I was, I was like, oh man, like they were having a, a legit long discussion about what was going on. And, one of the things I heard people yelling at was in the first half, the screens that they would set on top for Luca at the top of the three point line on Wiggins were illegal every single time. It was like, it, it was weird. It was like people were screaming and you could just, once you started watching it, like I hadn't paid attention to it and it was, it was bad. Like they were just full on moving, just two hands, just holding wigs. And then, you know, the second half, I think they talked about it because the second half, they didn't run the same people. They ran Maxi Kleba up there a lot. He would stay stationary, but it was one of the reasons why they didn't shoot as well. They didn't have as many open looks, at least, um, was because of that. So, but all in all, it it was a fun atmosphere. I let go of the rope and then the third quarter came and we were loud um, and we stayed loud throughout the entire um, game. So I, I... I appreciate shout out to Deb's nation. I think we helped um, bring some of that energy that helped that spur that comeback. Maxime, how much did you resent not being able to watch it live last night? 
because I've been in that scenario. Um, and the, like the first decision you got to make is, am I going to follow the score or try to thread the needle and not find out anything and then come home? And then once I've decided I'm going to just like uh, follow it, I mean, once that that initial flow chart move is made, generally speaking, I start resenting all the people around me for making me miss it. Even if I love them, you know, even if it's like a birthday party for my parents, I get fairly angry about it. So for you yesterday, when, when you can't watch it, how are you processing that emotion? Yeah. All right. So you appreciate the throwback. So first of all, Marcus, man, this guy gets to just set the agenda and the narrative for whatever the hell he wants, because he's told like literally half of the story. I also told him <laughs> that I was watching periods of the game on my phone throughout the evening. So like, yeah, I watched the full replay today, but I knew what was going on and it wasn't just from looking at the score. So sure, Bram, you say whatever you want to say. <laughs> it is frustrating. It's extremely frustrating. Um, and I'll tell you one thing that, that I also noticed while I was watching it live in the one period that I did have was that um, seemingly egregious turnover, I think in the end of the first half where um, Steph tossed the ball basically directly onto the Mavericks bench. Um, and that's another situation where I think that's what got Lakeup pretty fired up too. It's like, that's just not legal, right? You can't have dudes standing up on the sideline, especially if they're wearing the other team's colors. Um, so I think there was just kind of chaos all around. And I continue to not really appreciate Kane Fitzgerald uh, as a referee for us. You know, he's starting to become the new Scott Foster in my mind. What you guys don't know is that a few years back, Maxine was actually a Cleveland Cavalier fan. And oh my goodness. What? When the Warriors, when the Warriors, were up, when the Warriors were up three, one, he just waited. And then after Cleveland came back, he rewatched all of them. And when he did, he never lost hope for the Cavs. He knew for sure that they were ultimately going to come back. It's so false. I mean, just nicely play fake news. <laughs> MT, give us something you like. What, what stuck out from last night's win? Um, I liked that. It's going to be random and there wasn't a huge impact, but I really liked that. Moses Moody came in the game and not only didn't drop the ball or, you know, we didn't have a drop off. He actually had a plus, you know, rating for the game. And you could just tell the moment was big for him, but he settled in really quickly. And if I was watching him, I was like, oh, wait, that's Moody's in the game. And I was like, oh, man, like they, you know, they weren't putting Damian Lee back in. So, um, you know, to, to watch him run around and, um, Jalen Brunson kind of, you know, rookied him a, a few times on the first two possessions. Um, and then, you know, like he came back, he had that great a drive with the left-hand layup and you could just tell he was engaged and he was running around on defense. And I think it's, it was a good sign. I could see him getting more minutes now, probably Damian Lee's minutes moving forward, um, at least in this series. So I liked that a lot. Um, but I didn't like, again, was, if yes, they gave turnovers. Damian Lee's minutes to Dance Mom, I'd be totally fine with that. <laughs> I, or just, I don't know, the 8,000th fan that came in. They're like, congratulations, you're going to play 14 minutes tonight. It's like, just make sure you miss three bad shots and look completely hopeless on defense. And then there you go. Did you, you've been able to contribute. Yeah, and then have a weird altercation with Bertans. Oh my God, that was totally unacceptable. Okay, thank you for asking. I'm I'm sorry. I know I'm I'm stepping on your lines, but I lost my mind. What what you missed earlier, uh, Marcus, is that I not only let go of the rope, I threw the rope in the ocean as fast as I could, and then spit on anybody who tried to pick it up. You know, like there's a reason why I'm flashing on Maxime. It's because I'm jealous of his calm optimism. I lost my shit so many times, and one of the times, maybe the worst time, is after Damian Lee gave up that three to Bertrands and then tried to be a tough guy by walking over him and started what could have been a really ugly scenario. So 
am I, I was furious at Damian Lee, but if I'm being honest with you, I can't separate out my emotion from my objectivity. When I look back on that, I was seeing red, man. You know, I was just furious at him. So looking back at that, Am I, am I wrong to be at Lee? Was that just a happenstance? You know, he was just walking back or was that he's doing a little bit too much for a guy who shouldn't be in the fucking game anyways. I think it's a little bit of both. Um, he, he was, he knew it looked like he knew he was having a bad game and he had had a, a bad spell um, for trying, for trying to hit that shot. And then Damian Lee was, you know, he, he shouldn't have stepped over him. It wasn't like a, AI stepping over Ty Lue kind of step over, but you know, he was, he was trying to get back down court and Bertrand was just trying to stand up. But, you know, at that point you could tell um, Bertrand knew what he was doing a little bit too. He didn't like flip him to, to the point to where D Lee hit the ground the way he did, but. It was LeBron Draymond. It was LeBron Draymond is what it looked like to me. It's the same thing that LeBron did to Draymond to try to fire him up. And then, you know, and then then he stood up. But the difference is that that's LeBron. And we're talking about Damian Lee. Like, I'm not sure if he should be making those moves. Yeah. And and what I what I don't like and they've been fined for it is like you were saying, the Dallas players are standing up the ones who have been in the game. But also Theo Pinson and Tim Hardaway Jr. and um sterling brown like they're all standing up the entire game and it's just it's, it's to the point it's like you guys aren't good enough to be sitting there like talking trash like that and i remember you know like chris paul said that theo pinson is a big trash talker and i just it's kind of like well you know like okay you were good at north carolina but you haven't been good enough in the league just to be like trying to big time everybody like it's it's weird their bench was stood up the entire time. I, I looked at one of the Golden State Warriors fans who has the seat kind of right, um, you know, like caddy corner to them. And the dude was like leaning this way oh. the entire game. Like, you know, like he couldn't see because there's just these six foot eight dudes standing up the entire game. And I was like, oh man, that's, you spent a lot of money for that terrible seat. But um, yeah, it was, I, can I, only I hope think that- moving forward, D. Lee is going to, relinquish those minutes to either Moody or Kaminga. Look, I, I am, I am slowing us down in unnecessary details because really this is the stuff of movies. You know, if, if you wrote this down 19, you know, looking completely done, looking lifeless, the, going right back into that turnover laden malaise. And then they come storming fucking out on the back. I mean, it's, we're literally watching uh, Jordan Poole be the bridge between the present and the future. You know, this whole thing, we, we, we have been saying a million times into this microphone, we're super worried about how the hell they're going to pursue Steph's title window while also developing people like Moody and Kaminga because you can't do them both. Well, the thing we didn't fucking count on was Jordan Poole maturing into a superstar immediately, overnight, right now. And it's happening, ladies and gentlemen. You know, so I don't know what happens from here. I can't tell you that. Um, I don't know if the Warriors go on to win the championship. I don't know if they go on to win this series, but I can tell you that this is fucking fun and it's phenomenal having it back in our lives. And so, I mean, suck this up. I've used this line a few years ago um, and I wasn't sure if I'd be able to use it again. We're not entitled to this crap. You can go your entire life as a sports fan and not get to watch this kind of entertainment, not get to enjoy this kind of team. Well, they are back enjoy it boys and girls because it might not happen again but it sure as hell is happening now and you know who else yeah that's a great point you know who else is just turned it on and unexpectedly is Kavon Looney 
I mean, they were, you know, they were chanting MVP when he was right. on the free throw line. Here's, here's our so I was there chanting with them. I was like, this dude is trying to get a statue out in front of the Chase Center. Like trying. He said it made him nervous too, but I'll, I'll throw this next question towards you, Maxime, and it's our last one. Um, and I didn't have the name of the guy who asked it, but he writes in, is Kevon Looney the best player in the NBA? So I say yes. I'm just going to casually say yes, but I'm going to turn it over to you first, Maxime. What do you think, dude? Best player in the NBA or what? This is a lose-lose situation, man. <laughs> <laughs> There's no right answer after what you just said. I just, I think he's, I mean, he is ascendant. You know, I'm, I'm so happy for him. He's just always been such a great dude. Um, I'm really happy for what it says about Steve Kerr as a coach to have faith in a guy like that um, and then have it actually show up five years later. Um, I, you know, it's, it's just like, it's another, uh, point feather in the cap for Bob Myers, right. After what we're seeing with Jordan Poole, it's like, yes, we all know that centers take long to develop. This dude took twice as long as they say centers take to develop. And yet here he is being absolutely incredible. He is, uh, he is guarding Luka Doncic and doing a great job on top of all the boards, right? Like that stuff doesn't necessarily appear in the stat line, especially when Luca is going to get his 42. It's just, it's, it's unbelievable. I, I think it was Loon who pulled me out of my own personal doldrums, you know? So like somewhere in the third quarter, I still didn't want to believe it. You know, it's like, like someone who's been hurt in a prior relationship and they don't want to believe that like love's back in their life. So as the Warriors are coming back in the third quarter, I'm still sitting at my table, like sullen, like, no, I will. You will not suck me back into this. And somewhere around like Loon's 15th or 16th point, I haven't spoken for 20 minutes. And I go, Loon, like out of nowhere, everyone's like super afraid. They think I have Tourette's, you know? So I'd like to personally thank Looney for uh, turning my night around and proving to my wife that I'm a crazy. Man. It's like every time we think we've hit a new level of art, like Bram, this is about as inappropriate you're going to get. And I thought that putting a hole in my drywall was probably there. Like that's where it was. No, no, no. It turns out it's in a public setting where I lose my mind screaming the word loon. At least that's where we are now. Let's we'll, we'll revisit this in a couple of games and uh, and see where it goes. Boys, our final question. The Warriors are uh, six and a half point underdogs for game three. Uh, that is on Sunday. If you had some money in your pocket, how would you bet? I think Dallas wins the next one. Uh, but, you know, uh, if I had to put money on it, I wouldn't feel confident. I would think long and hard about the Warriors going up 3-0 just because of the way they play. But, you know, Dallas has done this before. This is where they were with Phoenix. And then, you know, they make it a series when they go back home. So, um, you know. I give them the home court advantage. And I think the first half, the way they shot it is not as hot, but I think it's more consistent in both halves. And I think they win. I love the idea of Jason Kidd looking back at the stat sheet and trying to come up with things like, well, at least we can count on this, you know, like, well, maybe next time Luca will dominate. Nope. Motherfucker. Luca already dominated. Maybe next time Jalen Brenson will have almost a 40 spot. Nope. That's already happened. Maybe the Dorian Finney Smiths of the world and the Maxi Cleavers of the world will start hitting three pointers. Well, no, 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 that already happened, you know, and then I don't know what they make the next move on to give you my response um, I think either the Warriors win or Dallas blows them out. I don't think there's a, an in-between on these. Um, and I, I think that Golden State comes back 3-1. And gentlemen, I think they win this next one. I think the Warriors are on the verge of something special. I think they, they understand it the same way that we do. I don't think they make the same mistake they did in Memphis and come with a lack of urgency. I think they put their, their uh, feet on their throats and they, uh, they squeeze out 
a victory in Dallas. That leaves you, Maxime. Where you at? I I do not believe that the home court advantage or uh, for Dallas is as much of an advantage as it is against potentially other teams. And that's in part because I don't, when the Warriors needed Chase, no offense to you, Marcus, I'm sure you were screaming at the top of your lungs. I didn't really feel like they got much in the first yeah, Fuck half. you, Marcus. It was you for sure. <laughs> we were screaming. I don't believe it. <laughs> it was in the second half as things got rolling, right, that you started to hear the real defense chance. I mean, when when you hear the, like, clap, clap coming over the loudspeaker, right, and, and the announcer saying, Warriors, right, and the crowd is not really responding. Like you should not even be able to hear that, right? That should be something that is already happening because the crowd is there. So that's all to say that I don't think that the Warriors needed the boost from Chase the way um, that uh, that you would necessarily expect for that second half run. Right. I think they have the poise to pull it off. So that's all to say I'm not really sure that going back to Dallas is going to be as much of an advantage for the Mavericks as it might be in another series. And so I think it's going to be close. And like you said, Bram, I think they have a great opportunity and they see that opportunity. The way Jordan Poole was talking that TNT post game makes me feel really good about their focus. And I do think that we pull it off. Let's go. You haven't already seen the game. Have you, this isn't the scenario you're going to watch it and you're, you're just, I'm not telling you anymore. I'm not telling you anything. <laughs> well, the Warriors, have, good, the radio. We're good. We're good. Uh, the Warriors have the best player in the entire league. Come uh, on Looney. So exactly, exactly right. <laughs> gentlemen, just huge fun before we get out of here. I have one last word of encouragement, but it doesn't come for me. It comes from Kylie, my seven-year-old sweetie. What do you want to say? Let's go, Warriors. Yeah. And with that in mind, you want to reach out to us. Get us a question for next week's mailbag. Uh, tell we did a good job, bad job, any job. Let me know that I shouldn't have busted Maxime out or that that was your favorite part of the show, whatever it is. You can send that email to huddle at warriorshuddle.com. We are also on social media, but not in a whole lot of places. In fact, just one Twitter. That one's at Warriors Huddle. With that in mind, go Warriors. And hopefully, we'll see you real soon. Good, good.